Welcome to Canny Cross Conversations with me, Michelle. And me, Louise, talking all things dogs, running and canny sports. This episode is sponsored by the Get Stronger Run a Faster 5K course. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with their dogs. Wow. So, Michelle, we this podcast this week has been fascinating, amazing, and I'm still on a bit of a high from it. Yeah, I can't wait for you all out there to listen to it. Um, we spoke with Karen Weir. She's a running triathlon and strength coach who specialises in master's athletes. And we have recorded a podcast previously with Dr. Juliet McGratton all about menopause. But today we were talking specifically about how runners can maximise their performance during menopause, that we shouldn't write ourselves off. And um, something she said really struck me that she said loads of things to know this um and she was talking specifically about how um we produce cortisol when we stress our bodies too much and I think a lot of us are really guilty of doing that of kind of slightly overdoing the running um producing this cortisol which has an adverse effect on our bodies Um, and she was talking about polarizing our training wasn't she yeah um, but I think it's I think what we wanted to try and get over, wasn't it, was the importance of strength training. And I I know I bang on about it a lot, but actually this there's a sort of scientific facts about about it. Um and how maybe, and you're not gonna like this guys, but how maybe you need to drop a run. Less is more and quality over quantity. Um, and I think you just need to listen to this podcast and uh sort of get why Michelle and I are quite hyped over it um so I think just go and listen and tell us what you think and if you are younger because it is about perimenopausal and menopausal but if you are younger there's some things in here that you need to be doing now to support and get your body ready for older age Welcome to this week's Canny Cross Conversations and this week we have Karen Weir with us, a running triathlon and strength coach specialising in master athletes. We're also we're going to talk today about perimenopausal and menopausal um, issues uh, with running basically. So Karen, welcome along and thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, sure. Thanks very much for having me on here. Um, I am a long-term uh, runner and triathlete um, and very very nearly 50 so um, it literally a matter of months so this is a subject that um, is close to my heart yeah. and um, despite having uh, various coaching qualifications and being in the fitness industry for uh, a number of years it when perimenopause hit me it was a shock to the system I didn't know anything about it and I'm like this is ridiculous why why do we not know anything about this it's 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 getting less taboo but it certainly felt like it's something we just don't talk about we push on through like women always do get on with it get through the other side don't talk about it but there are women really struggling um really suffering and 
you can't, you know, you don't necessarily need to with a bit of education, with a little bit of help, you can you can make things a lot better for yourself. Um, but I, my obviously my focus is around working with athletes um, and anyone that exercises for with purpose is an athlete. You don't have to be thinking it's only relevant if I'm going to the Olympics or an elite athlete. Anyone that exercises with purpose and wants to keep up their level of performance, whatever that is, you know, there are so many things we can do and we now know and the the research is is lacking, um, but it's getting better for like most things. Um, most scientific research has been done on men and um, it's a lot of it, an awful lot of it is just not relevant for the female population, particularly as we get older. And I think I think you're so right. It, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, because we all run for different reasons, don't we? Or canny cross for different reasons. And I think it's something that you you want to keep going for your own sanity, you know, if it's not just for fitness. But it's getting that. Do you, do you want to just give us a, a quick we've talked about menopause and running with um, Dr. Juliet McGratton before, but it was kind of a more sort of brief um, or over, overview, I suppose, wasn't it, Michelle? Do you want to tell us what's sort of actually happening in this period? So you you and Michelle are perimenopausal. I am definitely postmenopausal. So we've got quite a good uh, range of people here. Um, and 50s is fine, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. It's, um, so it's a, it's a life state. It's like your second puberty. So what we go through to become a uh, start being able to have children when we you know early teens it's it's the opposite of that happening so it's it's an it's a new life stage it's us losing um certain hormones although it's not just as easy as the hormones disappear there's there's fluctuations there's hormones being out of balance there's there's all these things that happen and this period takes could take up to 10 years yeah. now the average age uh in the west for um uh, a woman to to go through menopause and so menopause is also a point in time it's that point in time when you've not had a period for 12 months so the average age for that to happen is uh 51 mm-hmm. So we know that perimenopause symptoms can last up to 10 years so potentially as soon as you hit 40 or even earlier for some people you could start getting these symptoms and not really have any idea what they are because they're symptoms that um can also be reflected in other issues that you might that you might develop as you as, as you get older or not even get older that you just might have so um it's that point where we've got the fluctuating hormones we lose the regular cycle if any of us ever had a regular cycle you know that we that we're told you have a four-week cycle do you really but um the, the the natural cycle breaks down we get weird spikes um and ultimately we do then end up with the with our sex hormones estrogen and progesterone dropping away although we always have some level of estrogen because it's manufactured in different ways as well and there are three different versions of estrogen so it's not that we just completely lose estrogen but what we do lose is the progesterone um and then once you've gone through that point of um menopause you are assumed or you're considered postmenopausal um and you are no no longer able to have children basically 
And, and I, sorry, Michelle, I, I, I just find it really interesting because when you talk to people about it, they, they even if they're in their 40s, they don't really believe that they could be perimenopausal. Okay. They might be having a few symptoms. But they go, oh, yeah, I've got a few symptoms, but not enough to think it's that. And actually what you're saying is, is symptoms happen differently and at different times as well don't they yeah well for every woman it's a different journey you know there are very few I think it's something like only 25% of of women would describe themselves as sailing through that period of of, uh, perimenopause and menopause I mean I didn't say I've worked in the health industry for you know 15 years and I didn't know anything about perimenopause I knew that there was a menopause I knew that your period stopped um, and the only thing I knew about it was will you get hot flushes uh, and that's yeah. that's it. Um, and so, they don't go, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. so when you actually realise the whole potential remit of symptoms and that this is just part of this hormonal change in your body and it's not you getting early onset dementia, it's not you, um, you know, getting um, fat because you're eating more, all these kind of things, or exercising less the the brain fog I mean I one of the strangest things for me is I get this weird smell of smoke Ooh. and it's there a lot and I and I think things are on fire I literally do but I've just realized that it's something to do with what my hormones are doing so it's a very individual journey for a lot of people for some people it's very debilitating for some people it's it's not so bad and they can manage their symptoms um but one of the key things for say athletes is um we we naturally slow down, um, lose lean muscle mass, um, and, um, I guess increase risk of injury and bone issues and things like that. But we can absolutely stop or minimize the risk of those things happening. If you make a few changes to how you train and change the mindset that what used to work in your 20s and 30s and even perhaps your early 40s is still going to work as you go through your later 40s, 50s and beyond. And I I think that's the thing that we, that's what we want to achieve with this podcast because we, runners like to run, don't they? (laughs) They don't like to do anything else. And actually running, just solely running now at this age can be a bit more detrimental. Michelle, you you we were talking about it the other day weren't you and you you find it you were finding it really difficult weren't you yeah i um i think i'm at early stages of perimenopause so i've i'm still regular cycles but i'm i'm finding that my pmt symptoms have worsened and i am getting those night sweats the hot flushes and the brain fog the not being able to get words out of my mouth sometimes um complete forgetting some things and that's not me because I organize people for a living um so and I've just I said to Louise the other day I said in my running I've just been feeling really heavy really slow um and I mean why does that happen (laughs) it's why it's really frustrating isn't it when it's been going so well and then suddenly you think gosh I just can't run (laughs) well there are there are a couple of things there so there is the natural aging process so this happens to men as well once we get to the age of 30 we start losing muscle mass lean muscle mass um, unless we do something to put it back now men already have more muscle mass than women in general so um that they it's less obvious to them but what women tend to and this is a mass sweeping generalization we have in our early years focused perhaps less on strength training um 
don't necessarily um, see the positives in having muscle. Um, we want to run. We want to be as light as possible, all those kind of things. So when we do start losing muscle mass from that sort of 30 point onwards, um, it's it has a bigger impact on us anyway. Then throw into the mix that the uh, the hormones that are fluctuating and then we lose actually give the stimulus to um, help us build muscle. So we lose that stimulus. So you have to work even harder to build muscle. Um, and there are a number of things you have to do. So it's not just your strength training. It's eating protein as well. It's giving your body the building blocks um, it needs to rebuild that muscle, create new muscle. Um, and then the other element of it is women are, we we become our own worst enemies because, again, part of this aging process, the change in hormones, loss of muscle mass, um, our metabolism slows down naturally. So um, you you will, unless you change other things, naturally start to put on a little bit of, uh, of, of weight, fat, whether you had it before or not. Um, but again, there are things you can do to, to mitigate that. Um, so we want to make sure we keep our lean muscle mass, put muscle mass back if we've lost it or just um, keep working to keep it there. Um, and the worst thing that we do is starve ourselves um, and run more because we want to lose that little bit of extra weight we've put on. Um, and those are the worst things. So one of the really detrimental things for women is um cortisol so the stress hormone really good in small doses it's there for a reason but life in general add in stressful exercise our cortisol levels raise and then our body stores everything as fat it's a, it's a stress hormone it's there for a reason um evolution wanted us to you know to be able to um uh survive for as long as possible so we store whatever we eat as fat when we when when we're stressed and our cortisol levels are high. You see, I think that sorry, I, I'd find this really fascinating because I think that is is something again we were saying just before we started recording, weren't we? Why don't we know this? You know, because it I, I know there needs to be a lot more research, but the sort of stress thing it makes so much sense doesn't it that you're going to start storing things to protect your body's protecting you um and actually you know life in general is so stressful at the moment well this is this is the thing and it's there's been you know I think there's a societal and cultural shift that has normalized stress Mm. you know we we accept that we just have to be busy we accept that uh it's normal to feel stressed um, and also it's coming back to the impact of cortisol is different on women and men. And most of the research is done on men. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, we haven't known what the impact of cortisol is on, on women. Um, and it's little things like um, intermittent fasting. So it can work well for men and it can work well um, in, in certain situations. But for the majority of women, if you are in a fasted state, your body doesn't like that. It feels stressed. So it produces cortisol. And then whatever you do eat uh, gets stored as fat. (laughs) So it's, it's a vicious cycle. So intermittent fasting in general is not something that we want women to do, particularly older women, because uh, if our, if our cortisol levels are at, we're at one, one level, you, you add in training which is a stress and it can be a good stress, but most people train too much when they're tired, when they've not slept well, 
when they've um, got a lot of mental stress as well. Um, so then the exercise itself can be a detrimental um, stressor rather than a good stressor. Um, so it's yeah, our cortisol levels are just going through the roof. And it's unless we again, we do something to mitigate those. That's why there's the growth in mindfulness and meditation and all these things um, that can help reduce our cortisol levels. But most of us just play them lip service and go, well, I'm going to go out and do my interval session anyway or, or whatever. When actually, you know, maybe half an hour hot bath, reading a book and early bed would actually result in you being a bit fitter the next day rather than going and doing a hard interval session or something. Yeah, that's interesting. I think we often forget that to get the kind of benefits from training, we do need to rest as yeah. well. Otherwise, yeah. that's it's never going to happen, is it? Yeah. And yeah. um, while we're on the subject of fasting, I do have a question. Um, I mean, what are your views on fasted runs? Because there is a big trend towards them at the moment. People are, especially endurance runners, trying to you know access that magical kind of fat burning yeah. um, level on long slow runs. I mean, how is that wise for? Um, women going through perimenopause to to do should we be avoiding that altogether my I believe we should be avoiding that altogether now um it's like anything it, we, we want to look for a black and white answer and there are outliers everywhere um that you know that that things work for but in general we know it's back to this cortisol if you're depleted the body is in um a state of stress and cortisol is released so it's not it's it's not wise for women to do it now there i'm sure there'll be many women listening just going it works for me it helps me control my weight blah 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 and it may do and it may do for a short period of time but ultimately the science shows us these this kind of behavior potentially leads to injury illness burnout um you need to fuel your body your body needs to be um have the nutrients it needs to perform well i mean you you it's it's a cliche but you wouldn't try and drive a car without putting petrol in you know or diesel or whatever the choice of fuel is we our body needs that and if you if you deprive it um something there has to be a knock-on effect and and you know the body gets stressed in a different way and and it is interesting because we had um uh uh, the sports dietitian on and, and she was just basically saying eat a balanced diet but obviously yeah. you know and and I think people are afraid to do that aren't they and, well, I think we I think we've we think there's magic bullets out there there yeah. is there's there's little bits of um you know secret that if we can find them we can perform better but ultimately you need to you know train train in a balanced way eat in a balanced way have a balanced uh lifestyle and and then it will be far better i mean it's different if you're an elite athlete if you're a professional or an elite athlete they don't have to hold down a job they don't have caring responsibilities they often don't have to worry about their food because they've got a team <laughs> chef providing them with the right nutrients yeah. um at the right time but but most of your listeners, I would imagine, are recreational athletes and yeah. having to do balance so many things, spin so many plates. And the last thing you want to do is, is take away its fuel source, its nutrients. And let's face it, most of us enjoy eating as well. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so there's the, there's the social element of it too. So it is about being balanced and not looking for magic bullets, quick wins. You know, any diet will work if you can stick to it. That's yeah. the thing. And the only way that you stick to something is if you don't feel you're being deprived. So it is being having that balance. And I, so, but the only thing, and, and I'm a real advocate of this. We talk about more protein, more protein. But and what worries me with that, and I totally agree with you. We do need more protein for for you know, but we still need the carbs. We still need the fats. Yeah. We still need everything yeah. else. So I know it's talking about the balance, but people hear what they want to hear, don't they? So they yes, they do. And the thing is, often um, you know there is you know low carb. We don't need you know this idea that we don't need carbs. Women, we now know women do need more carbs. We we need them again. It's this it's this stress hormone response. So we do need carbs to um, uh, perform well. But where do you get your carbs from? Okay, so eat lots of veg and you know and your salads and and you know some whole grains but not you know not loads and loads of bread and pasta but certainly walk away from the processed carbs you know when you think about it in nature there is none there is nothing that is sweet and fat together all processed food is sweet and fat together and it's those those are the carbs we want yes we want you to see red flags around those kind of carbs but actually um, healthy carbs and, and when you're running you're going to need simple sugars carbohydrates will turn into are basically sugars you need those to fuel your exercise um, so don't be afraid of carbs don't be afraid of fat um, you know don't be afraid of eggs all these all these myths have been debunked that you shouldn't eat eggs and you shouldn't have uh, you know eat red meat if that's your choice then then do but everything balance um, but protein is the one that probably has only recently sort of had a spotlight shone shone on it. And possibly for most people, it still hasn't. Um, I know sort of for me, because of where I've been working with athletes and master's athletes and and, and trying to manage and build muscle because of the perimenopause and menopause uh, challenges, protein does become so important. And Mm. when you sort of say you need to be getting a minimum of 100 grams... I know. um, that's that i mean a people don't really know what 100 grams of protein looks like so if i say one large egg has seven grams of protein an average chicken breast has 20 grams of protein you can actually see how much of a challenge it is to get protein the right amount of protein or sufficient protein in now if you're um if you're not an athlete um or training or trying to keep up a level of performance then you could possibly get away with a little bit less. But because of the perimenopause and menopause, we know that we need to stimulate this muscle building, maintain lean muscle mass, and that does not happen without protein. So we we need more than perhaps we realise. Certainly if you're an athlete, you want to be aiming for that 100 grams. Um, And the other thing to say, you know, I completely respect everyone's decision, but if you're going to choose to be vegan or vegetarian, don't go into that with your eyes closed. You mm. have to still make sure you get your 100 grams of protein. And it's, it's not impossible, but it takes an awful lot of effort if you're not going to eat um, animal products. And that that's fine. That's your choice. But, you know, don't go into that blindly and thinking, well, you know, I, I can I can get my protein because you can. But it takes an awful lot of effort. Yeah, definitely. 
we so we we kind of know that real now realize that we st- as we go into our perimenopausal or you know and the postmenopausal we're having to start to change things so we've we've talked about you know more rest and recovery um and food but we we talk about strength training a lot and i want to talk a little bit more about that because women are scared to yeah. to, to strength train um yeah. for for reasons that you know they think they're going to bulk up and everything but why do we, as sort of, you know, in this menopause area period, why do we need to strength train, first of all? Okay, so we've already talked about that we know we're losing muscle mass. You yeah. know, we do nothing, we just lose it. So whatever you want to do, whether you're going to run or any other sport, it happens because your muscles work and fire and, um, you, you know, and drive the skeleton to move. So... We, we need to keep that happening. Now, the problem is we when we lose estrogen. So estrogen was, is one of the hormones that fluctuates and then and then declines. We don't lose it completely. But one of its jobs is to signal um, the creation of more muscle uh, cells um, and actually create muscle fibers. So we lose that stimulus, which estrogen gave us or it or it's not as strong. So what you need to do is to get that same stimulus at at, um, sort of mast stem cell level is is to actually do heavy weights. So it's that it's that overload. It's that stimulus that creates um, muscle to be that, that causes muscle to be created. But so you need the stimulus to happen. But you also then need the building blocks, which is the proteins. The two the two go together. So. I'm sorry, and that has a good effect on bones as well, doesn't it? So the the action of the muscles on the bones. So yeah, just, I mean, we yeah, exactly. And well. there, there's been some really interesting studies come out in the past couple of years, actually, that have shown that um, muscle mass is a, a better predictor of longevity mm. than um, than you know other measures. So uh, having more muscle mass, we now know, and these are studies that have included women in, can actually reduce the risk of um, uh, heart disease, in some cases cancers. It's um, Certainly it's going to reduce your likelihood of trips and falls. Um, you know, it helps with the bone density uh, because exactly as we just you've just described. Um, there are so many reasons to maintain your muscle mass, not least your performance as a runner or as a canny cross athlete i mean ultimately it's and this is it's a little bit crude but when you're in your 80s or 90s the thing that's going to get you up off the toilet or out of that chair (laughs) is your muscle mass not your cardiovascular fitness yes (laughs) um and it's it is so important and you could you see i mean i certainly see runners that are performing amazingly in their 70s and 80s um you can see those that have still got muscle mass and doing that and those that haven't and they look so frail um and then people that aren't doing exercise you know I think um we're we're lucky to be in that generation where it's acceptable to to exercise you know sort of our parents generations they didn't and you just think how many elderly people look so frail and they can't get themselves out of a chair they can't you know do basic functional things and I don't know about you but I want to age well I want to I want to be doing you know I might not be running marathons I might not be doing you know lifting heavy weights uh but why not but I want to be living well 
as I get older and yeah. we need muscle mass to do that. And I, I think you're right, you know, with our generation, we are. I mean, I, I look back at my parents who sadly aren't with us anymore, but I don't want to be like them. You know, mum had a hip replacement, dad lost mobility in his sort of late 70s, 80s. And I'm determined not to be like that. I'm lucky I have knowledge that can help, you know, yes. like you, we, that can help us. But strength training, let, let's talk a little bit more about that because we talk about lifting heavy weights. Yes. Yeah. So what does that mean? Yeah. So there's, there's, it's, it's, I'm trying to think the best way to put this. So when we're, when we're, when we're younger, is that, it was mentioned earlier, we tend to just like to run. Yeah. You know, yeah. We think to get better at running, we need to run more. Um, mm. There's a, there's a level to which that is true. And then there's a point which you will plateau and you need a different novel stimulus. But that aside, um, whatever age you are, your running will benefit if you can include a couple of strength sessions a week. Um, and the, typically, because gym environments are not female friendly, um, women are not encouraged um, to go and lift weights. You know, it's it's the, you know, again, culture and society looks skinny um, type idea. Um but believe me, it is so hard to get bulky. These these men and women that do bodybuilding, they have to work so hard and take such extreme measures that you are not accidentally going to get big if you go to the gym and do a couple of strength sessions um, a week. So the other problem is that typically a lot of the strength type sessions that you'll read about in mainstream press, in the running magazines, you know, are go and you know stand on one leg and do some bicep curls and do some planks and work work in the you know 12 to 15 repetition range or higher ranges um these are not strength building methods these are perhaps muscular endurance so they encourage they will encourage your muscles to fire more before they fatigue but they won't create more muscle. Um, they're also often things that you get prescribed to do if you've had an injury. So they could be a rehab type exercise. Again, getting functional movement back into an area, but not actually building strength. So we actually want to create muscle. We want more muscle fibers or we want more muscle fibers to fire for any given contraction that we make. We don't just want those muscle fibers to be resistance to fatigue, which is where a lot of the strength training that is out there generally, I say, in the running magazines or wherever, um, encourages. And also is a way, because women sort of do have this, and it goes both ways, personal trainers I know that work with with a lot of women, they'll give them low weights, high reps, um, and you know you will get some improvements out of that way but that's what the woman also expects to do yeah and I, I'm guilty of that you know yeah. as a personal trainer you know and and also as a Pilates and it we, we've talked about this Michelle and I because you know as a Pilates instructor yeah. which is good for functional it's good for yes. the mobility and flexibility and it's good for core strength but there's things that I'm starting to think about changing now having delved into this a yeah. little bit more yeah. you know um in in how I do because because I do Pilates for runners so yeah, yeah. things are changing so, yeah so it's and, and knowledge is changing so yeah. and what's acceptable is changing yeah so um what we are looking for with our strength training now 
is high weights and low repetitions. Right, so okay. that means you are lifting a weight that you can only do three, four or five repetitions before you are fatigued. You can't do any more. Um, and then you will need to take a two to five minute rest. So this is the exact opposite of what runners want to do. You will yeah. not get sweaty. <laughs> um, but do you know what? If you embrace it, it is so empowering, particularly if you haven't done strength training before. You know, it's it's like starting something new. So the progression will be actually quite quick and if we're if your running is slowing down like it is for most of us it's a new way to actually see that we're improving getting better at things but it's obviously you know if you are new to it you don't go straight into the gym and start with two three four or five reps you do have to check that you've got good form you can move well you've got the range of motion to to do these exercises so you might spend eight weeks on a prepare to lift heavy type program where you do higher reps, lower weights, make sure that you can move well. So we're talking about exercises like the, the, the various variations of squatting and deadlifting and bench pressing, um, pulling up, pulling yourself up, um, those kind of uh, exercises. Um, and we also are talking about embrace the free weights and get off the machines. Yeah. So that's yeah. the other thing. Most gyms, well, it is changing, but a lot of gyms, the free weights area certainly don't appeal to the women because they're generally full of sweaty men in vests. Oh, I used to love going in them and showing, <laughs> even though I was lifting slightly lighter, it's like my form's better than yours. Yeah. And you go, you go to a gym and the and you ask for your in, induction and they'll do you a program and it'll be written all using the machines. Yeah. Which isolate muscles, which yeah. which mean you need to do so much more work than you do yeah. if you could just lift free weights if you're standing on the floor and you're using free weights you don't need to do separate core exercises because your core is transferring all that power if you're yeah. starting if you are lifting heavy you're squatting heavy you're um deadlifting heavy your core is working and sustaining and stabilizing and you so you don't then need to go and do three lots of one minute planks afterwards you know it's it's yeah. just it's just not necessary but if you start off with higher reps lower weights check your safe get some advice from a personal trainer or someone that knows what they're doing and can check your form <clears throat> and then you gradually move to the point where you are lifting heavier weights and lower rep range so i say you're going to work um in the two the three the four the five possibly the six rep range um you don't ever want to go to failure because we aren't bodybuilding. We aren't, you know, strength powerlifting athletes. We are endurance athletes. So you should always feel you can do one or perhaps maximally two more uh, repetitions if you needed to. But certainly you don't want to be back squatting with a weight that you could do 15, well, 10, yeah. 15, 20 reps at. Mm -hmm. And the problem is the first thing people will do is they'll, they'll go to the free weights area, they'll pick up, a kettlebell or a dumbbell and they'll do a goblet squat and they'll do 20 so it's yeah. that's not the right stimulus if we want to lift heavy you want to get in the rack get a barbell on your back mm. um, and lift a weight that you can and squat a weight that you can you know might do five sets of five repetitions going every three minutes yeah yeah 
So something like that would be a classic um, recipe. But, it, but it, it's interesting what you say, because, you know, when people feel that they're slowing down and, you know, things aren't working, but even if that sort of eight week pre-prepare, which, you know, yeah. section, you still see improvements in your running yep. from, from doing that and Michelle and I have done since sort of the middle well after the summer last year we've we've worked on our strength a lot we've still got yeah. a long way to go I'm not lifting yeah. heavy enough yet but yeah, yeah no, but we're but we're, I'm PBing in races all the time now yeah. which yeah. is which is I love it I'm absolutely yeah, I mean, loving it if the basic thing is if you think about it when you run what makes your legs work turn over muscle yeah. <laughs> okay so your muscle is dwindling unless you go back and do this strength training yeah now yeah. what i've already just said the certainly when you're new to it the um the lower weights and the higher rep range that will start giving you a stimulus but exactly like uh, in running you hit a plateau you will hit a plateau in your lifting and then you need to change the stimulus yeah. but we're also as i say we're trying to create that uh generation of new muscle fibers and that comes with that heavy weight stimulus. It's it's all about the chemical response, what happens at a physiological level. Um, and we don't just want our muscles to fire repetitively and be resistant to fatigue. We want new muscle or we want to be able to um, fire more muscles, muscle fibers for a single contraction. So yeah. then we can move more, we create more force. So, yes, if you've got that muscle and you've trained it to create more force, you're going to run faster. Yeah. And when you've got a fast dog you're attached to, it's quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> what about now? This is the interesting. What about when the dog gets uh, gets older? <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, they do and they don't slow down. Really training for dogs. That's that's where we need. Well, to well, you on. you you say that, but we do that. We've had a we've had a good podcast with. Um, I, I should get all the numbers out, but episode it was. But a vet physio about strengthening a dog's core and you know looking after a dog's well being. So it's as important. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I guess um, as well. I mean, I'm not a canny cross uh, runner, so uh, th- this is an idea is, is relatively new to me. But when you, if your dog is actually helping you perhaps run faster than you would on your own, mm. you will, that's important to have even more strength to manage that mm-hmm. and Tell not be it. a rag doll on the back being dragged along. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so it's so important, and and actually what i've noticed as i've got stronger and faster the dog has got stronger and faster as well, well obviously but you know and yeah. and it's yeah it is it is people think it's easy because you're being helped but it's not yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so have you got any tips karen for how we mix up our running a bit how we can improve that during these years i mean yeah so the thing the thing is is we as we get older particularly if we've got a history of running less is more so you always want to be thinking about quality over quantity and you want to be thinking about okay if I don't have the luxury of training whenever I want and I have to reduce the number of sessions I do actually it's worth dropping a run to put a strength training session in always oh, that's hard I mean, hard for runners to hear exactly exactly but yes i like it um yeah. or, or or slow down so with with running yeah. it's basically we want to polarize our trainings we want either very easy running the majority of it or um very intense running a very small amount so we get this we get away from the sort of the gray ground in the middle so very easy 
which means um, the cortisol response is 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 less. So we don't get stressed so much by it. We can uh, we can do more easy running. Um, you know, we recover well from it. And then a very small amount, sort of 10% maximum of volume of very fast stuff. So that's your intervals, your heels. But but it should be much, much faster. So, you know, say it's polarized, they're opposites. There's very intense and very easy. Yeah. Too many people do too much in the middle, which yeah. which we lose the adaptations we're looking for, and they just mm-hmm. add to the fatigue and, and yeah. the cortisol stress levels. So, so that's what you need to do with your running. Um if you are, um, you know, if you're running five times a week and doing no strength training, I would definitely drop a run and add a strength training session in. Ideally, you want two, if not three strength sessions a week. Um, but you don't need to be, Whoa, they're not an hour at a time. Yeah. You know, they they can be 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and, and the other thing, invest, it, you know, it's, it sounds very glib to say invest in your own equipment, but how yeah. many people these days are going out and spending two hundred and fifty pounds on a pair of um, certain super shoes? I knew yeah. like that. Which I don't have last, a pair of those, but yes, a lot. Yeah, which will last <laughs> six months? Yeah. Uh, go and buy yourself a, a rack, um, an Olympic bar, and I know people don't have loads of space. Not everyone has space. But you don't need a huge amount of space for just a small amount of equipment. You don't need a big multi-gym. You don't need, you yeah. know, um, so you can spend a few hundred quid getting yourself either some secondhand weights, an Olympic bar, um, and then you can do your 20 to 30 minutes three times a week at home. There's no gym membership. It will save you money and it will save your life. You yeah, know, yeah. these 250 wow. pounds super shoes, great if you're, you know, if you're, fighting for marginal gains which most of us aren't put that money aside buy yourself some weights some weight plates a barbell and i tell you it will it will transform your life that's a great message i love that yeah and it doesn't take much room i've got half a garage dedicated to some weights and i am i am determined to buy some heavier ones as well after talking to you yeah good <laughs> and and it and it sort of just goes back it, it does go back to you know we've got to change the way we do things as we go through this period and actually you you touched on it earlier you know the the bone mass and the muscle you know mass starts to decline at 30 we should be supporting our bodies before then shouldn't we it should be part of our I wish I wish I I wish I'd known this earlier and because Mm. I do do strength training and I do crossfit and um I you know I'm seeing amazing women in their 20s that have got this they know this and they're doing it and I just think you know the sky's the limit for them in the future I started in my 40s um and I feel you know I feel stronger fitter healthier yeah I'm not as fast I'm not as fast but but I don't care and the biggest thing for me is exactly as we've discussed earlier I want to live well into my old age I do I I don't want to lose my independence I don't want to um feel that there's things I can't do anymore and and whether you're strength training for performance or strength training for life we need to do it yeah and it will make you feel amazing it will because you you can keep improving you can many 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 years there are some inspirational 70 year olds 80 year olds lifting and doing incredible things um it's you know 
And again, as you get older, you don't necessarily compare the weight you're lifting at 80 to the weight you were lifting at 40. But the fact that they're still doing things, they're able to move their bodies in the way they want to and, and live their life in the ways they want to. I mean, that's that's got to be something worth aiming for, whether you, whether you intend to be running with your dog in the future or, you know, running a park run or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. You want to live well. No, and I think we shouldn't we shouldn't use menopause as the excuse. No, we, we can do something for it. So yeah. for all our listeners out there, um, yeah, get lifting and don't be afraid of it. I think that's. I think that's the, you know, we've got to change that concept about strength training, haven't we, completely? Yeah. Don't be afraid of it, but do ask for help because, yeah. yes, yes, you can hurt yourself, okay? Um, and I think that's another thing, you, you know, that we, particularly women, we like to just go out the door and run and you don't necessarily need to involve anybody else. But this 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 is an investment in your health you're you're living well into the future so i say spend a little bit of money um birthday treats you know you don't need a spa day you know actually have a day have a session with a personal trainer spend a bit of money um buying yourself an olympic bar or some bar um some uh dumbbells and and a heavy kettlebell and um and and, and ask for ask for help i know it's quite hard to find at the moment because um we're only just shining a, a sort of spotlight on this, but there is more conversation going on. There are, are more people that are prepared to offer, you know, uh, that are educating themselves so they can yeah. help menopausal, mm-hmm. uh, perimenopausal women. So just be careful. That's what I would say. Um, there were plenty of trainers and coaches out there you aren't yet educated or aren't don't yet see that as an important area and will treat you like anyone else. Yeah. Yes. So ask the questions. Have you, have you, you know, are you a specialist in this area? Do you know what you need to do to help me at this life stage? Um, I am a runner, but ultimately I want to get stronger. Um, so those kind of questions. Uh, and and if if you've got a trainer, a coach worth their sort, they will, they may say, do you know what? I'm not, but I'm going to go away and educate myself. I'm going to go and, and look into it and find out what I need to do. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. And I think uh, that's a great place to leave it. So, uh, yeah, and I'm just now worried that all the people in the Veterans uh, Canny Cross series will be uh, we'll have a bit of we'll have a lot more competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it's, 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 it's your secret superpower, isn't it? You know, actually, maybe that's why we've been keeping it under the under yeah, the so long. You know? only, only a few of us know that that's the way to. to but no, actually, all women deserve to know this and all women deserve to. Uh, um, get a chance to live as healthily as they can yeah no definitely uh definitely so thank you so much for your time karen really really appreciate it. it's been a fascinating conversation and uh where can people find you um uh run with karen basically on all uh, on, well on all um on mainstream social media <laughs> platforms of runwithkaren.com the website um so yeah just look, just look me up and uh if you've got any questions i will more than happy get back to you that's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you to our sponsor, Get Stronger, Run Faster 5K. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with the dogs.
And if you get a moment, please leave us a review. We'll see you next time on Canny Cross Conversations. Thank you.